Hey y'all, it's Ashes, and welcome back to another episode of Simply Put. Um, today we're expanding on Monday's mini blog post about the dangers of Amy Cohen Barrett's confirmation in regards to women's access to family planning care. Over there, I talked about how slippery of a slope it would be if Roe versus Wade was to be repealed, as she stated several times now that's something that she would be interested in and how in this instance it's not only absolutely none of anyone's fucking business what a female does with their body, it's also fiscally irresponsible to make abortions illegal, more difficult to obtain, or to give insurance companies even more say in regards to covering voluntary sterilization and long-term birth control in um, females. But, you know, um, because we're me, I'm also going to talk about one of my experiences at Planned Parenthood. And this story isn't mine. It's a story that I was present for rather than my own. I was given permission um, by the person whose story it is to share it. I changed any names and any locations for their privacy, but um, I I don't foresee this ever crossing um, the table or headset of anybody who would know regardless. Um, But I'm familiar with Planned Parenthood because they've confirmed both of my pregnancies and I've referred a lot of people to um, to Planned Parenthood when I worked in DV. I've never used them for anything other than that. So a lot of the things that I saw caught me by surprise. But we're not quite there yet. Let's start from the beginning. Um, for those of you who aren't subscribed to mini posts or who haven't checked them out yet, this is going to be a story about Planned Parenthood's abortion services. It's also going to include mental abuse by strangers, mental abuse by relatives. Um, So if either of those things are something that would be difficult for you, proceed with caution. And if those are topics that hit a little bit too close to home for for you, there's absolutely no shame in protecting your own mental health and checking back in next week. I won't be upset. Um, You gotta take care of you. So let's jump right in. A couple months after I had my daughter, I got a phone call from a mentee that I had had when I first started working in placement facilities. Um, I'd been an active part of her treatment team and her support system almost a decade after she'd been released, and that was at the request of her family and her CASA. Um, For those of you who don't know, a CASA is a court-appointed advocate that's very similar to like a guardian ad litem, so a GAL, um, except CASAs are volunteers who advocate advocate for the child's wishes, um, often in abuse and neglect cases, and they follow them through all of their proceedings um, and everything as it progresses, whereas GALs are usually attorneys, but in some places they can also be volunteers, and they make recommendations that are in the best interest for the child. Um, It's a small difference, but it's really important. It's the difference between um, having candy for dinner, let's say, and a young child knows that they like candy, wants to have candy. Um, There's no reason why this child can't have candy, but a CASA is going to advocate that they have candy for dinner, and a GAL is going to advocate that, like, maybe they have one piece of candy after dinner or for a snack earlier in the day or something like that. That's a very, very basic example. Um, But that's kind of the difference in the relationships. 
So anyway, um, she and I have seen each other in person about once a year ever since she was discharged from the facility I worked at. Um, I was on the phone with her while she was in labor with her first daughter. I tried really hard to be able to be there when she went into labor, um, but I couldn't make it work with my work schedule. But I was there a couple days before that and a couple days after her due date. So all that to say, we've met. We've been close for years, and it's a completely acceptable court-sanctioned mentor and mentee relationship that now that she is um, legally an adult, um, and she she was when she had her baby as well, um, now that she's an adult, is still like a mentor-mentee relationship, um, and it's really cool. But um, shortly after my daughter was born, she called and she was really upset and she asked me to drive um, the four hours to come see her um, and go with her to her Planned Parenthood appointment. Uh, Her husband couldn't be there for her and she was afraid to go alone. And um, I would just stay a couple days there and I had no problem with that, but I was really confused because she called me a couple days earlier than that to tell... um, myself and my husband that she was pregnant and she was really excited so I wasn't really sure what had happened in the meantime and um, I took a couple of questions and uh, and a little bit of a breakdown on her part before I realized that a lot of the work that she and her treatment team had done um, was very reliant on a fair amount of medication Um, for her mental health. She had ODD and ADHD and she was bipolar. Um, All all things that in and of themselves are take some time to get things right and manage but together when they're all feeding off of each other um, she ended up with really really bad Um, bouts of mania and really terrible side effects from a lot of the medications that she'd been taking or she felt like a zombie or couldn't do the things that she needed to do and it had taken literal decades for her to get a combination that allowed her to function as a human being and still took care of all of the issues that it needed to take care of. None of those medications were safe for pregnancy. So Her appointment was a couple weeks out still, but I made the arrangements to be able to go. Um, And during that time, her mother-in-law, who had been abusive since Anna's first pregnancy, set a plan into place to try to babysit and then never give back Anna's first daughter. Um, Because if Anna really was so crazy, she couldn't be off her meds to maintain a pregnancy then she wasn't a safe person to be around her her granddaughter. And that ended up having to have police involvement and a restraining order, and literally nothing got better from there. Um, Flash forward a couple weeks when I'm there, I ended up kicking her out of Anna's house myself after she had backed Anna into a counter and threatened to terminate the pregnancy that night if she really didn't want it. And she said over and over again that she'd beat the shit out of her until the cops came to arrest her and her lawyer would have her out of jail that night and there was nothing Anna could do about it. Um, Well, the 911 officers that she called were too far away to respond in a timely manner 
and I had tried really hard to stay upstairs and mind my own business, not because I didn't want to go down there and do what I could to protect her, but because whatever I did was also going to be something that Anna was going to have to pay for when I left, and I didn't want to make her life worse. However, her mother-in-law was under the impression that Anna was in the house alone, so as soon as I came downstairs, Anna was able to regain some of her composure because she saw that I wasn't going to let anything happen to her, and um, her mother-in-law called me every name in the book while I escorted her out of the house. Um, And her in-laws are wealthy, they're very well off, and she had just been used to um, getting her way and being able to bully her way through situations that would land other people in jail. And instead what happened is this black woman with red hair and a mohawk, um, tattoos and a septum, well a fake septum piercing, um, walked down the stairs and didn't back down to the fact that Anna's family had lawyers on retainers because I've worked for enough attorneys that that doesn't phase me at all. Like, here's my attorney's card, let's switch, but either way you're getting out of this house. Um, And first off, I love doing that to Karens. I think that it's great. Um, But second, at that point, it was really important that that her mother-in-law knew that there was somebody on her side that wasn't willing to back down and would make sure that she had the resources that she needed to fight back in court if that became something that they needed to do um shortly after that and by shortly I mean like the cop showed up we both gave our statements they went to go talk to the mother-in-law after uh, Anna gave her the gave them the address um the officer that she talked to was a woman the officer that I talked to was a man um shortly after that Anna's phone started to go off And I was like, you know, your phone is blowing the fuck up. Like, is it your mother-in-law? Like, what's going on? Like, you gotta let me know. She just kept getting more and more angry um, and and upset and crying throughout the night. Um, And like I said, at this point, I'd known her for almost a decade. So um, I was pretty familiar with the way that she acted and her mannerisms. And like, I couldn't understand who she was talking to. She tells me that her biological mother, who had found out she was pregnant and that she was planning on terminating the pregnancy, created a Facebook group called Save Anna's Baby. And it was full of pro-life strangers who had never met her or understood what was going on. And they spent the next four days harassing her they sent her dms on facebook they sent her emails her mom gave out her phone number to send text messages talking about how selfish it was for her to kill her baby knowing that there were people who would adopt them um that's fucking vile um like don't (laughs) if for some reason this ever comes across some sort of pro-life platform where people want to adopt other people's kids like you can't coerce people into getting pregnant and then like into like having a baby um and having an unsafe pregnancy because you want a baby like that's not how this works that's not how things should work if that's the way that you want 
to go through this, then I'm sure they sell babies on the black market. Um, human trafficking is a thing. That behavior is better used over there. And if you can't make that kind of comparison comfortably, um, I will do it for you. That's gross. Coming after young women who don't have the mental health, the funds, the ability to carry out a pregnancy just because you want one, even if you're willing to pay them for the baby, even if you're willing to pay for their medical bills or any of the things surrounding those things, searching someone out and harassing them and coercing them into doing something that they don't want to do because it benefits you and you're buying a child, that's black market shit. Like that's human trafficking shit. And um, there is absolutely nothing that anybody can say to convince me otherwise. So on top of all of this, Anna had aged out of the foster care system. So I don't know how many of my listeners talk to people who have been in the foster care system, but I come across a lot of them. I worked in abuse and neglect for years, and not one of those people would ever in a million years even consider putting their child up for adoption or into the foster care program at all anywhere. Nobody wants their kids in the foster care system. And while I recognize that not every experience is like that, and there are great foster families, um, finding the great foster family within a dumpster fire of fucking shit foster families should not be something that a young child should ever have to go through. Um, So the idea that Anna would be willing to do that for her child, completely not an option, not an option at all. And she's felt that way since, since she was, you know, 14 when I met her. But yet, even knowing that she had no intentions of doing that and there was absolutely nothing in her mind that would convince her to put her child up for adoption regardless of who the parents would be she still responded to all of the messages and she tried to explain her side and she was crying herself to sleep about it as all of these strangers on the internet repeatedly told her that her own mental health didn't matter and that she should give the stability that she had up because she was growing a baby inside of her that deserved a chance at life because someone else would want them. And it was a couple of days of this before I was like, can I, can I just respond to these people? Because she wasn't going to leave the group. She wasn't going to, um, to make it so that only people in her contacts could, could read or could contact her. Like she wasn't going to do any of those things. I was like, can I just respond to a couple of these people? Because this isn't okay. Um, and she said that I could. And she was talking to a woman who had consistently been harassing her uh, to the point where Anna finally told her that the meds that she was taking kept her from killing herself so that she could be there for her other daughter. And the woman continuously just uh, just negated that with some sort of sob story about her having an abortion that she regretted. And so I asked again if I could answer this woman the way that I would. And Anna was just like, absolutely, like, I trust you, like, you're right, this isn't okay, but I don't know how to make them stop, and I feel like I deserve this, 
and we'll talk about that in a second but like I told this woman that you know I'm really sorry you had an abortion that you regretted but Anna has said that the meds that she would have to give up to have a healthy pregnancy are the same meds that keep her from killing herself and that it's not very pro-life of her to advocate for Anna's other child to be without a mother and a sibling because someone in a completely different situation wishes they could have had the baby that they aborted who may not even have made it to term. So she responded again, just kind of tripping over her words and trying to explain that it wasn't what she meant and I was taking her words out of context. And then I quoted her and I was like, that's sad and all, but you should at least try because someone like me who struggles with infertility and regrets aborting the only pregnancy she had would love to have your baby. Uh, So I very, um, not very nicely told her that one in four pregnancies end in miscarriages and there's absolutely no reason to think that hers would have been a successful pregnancy that time either just because she didn't know and trying to repeatedly force somebody to go through a pregnancy and ignoring the fact that it will either kill the fetus after it would be deemed a viable pregnancy because the mom is medicated or it will kill them both if mom's unmedicated and she kills herself like isn't the same thing as being a teenager who got pregnant with a high school boyfriend and doesn't want to be a teenage mom, which was her story. And this woman fell all over herself apologizing and she left the group and like, I just, I can't. In what world do people think that that is okay and acceptable and and that their pain and should be the same as somebody else's and because she regretted it somebody else would it's not even the same situation it's not somebody coming in and saying you know what like there's hope to being a teenage mom like I didn't realize all of these um, resources that I had at the time or these resources weren't available when I was a teenager like I can come beside you and I can help if this is a thing that you're entirely not sure about like I can make sure that you have access to these resources it wasn't like that at all like in no way shape or form is that situation anywhere near what Anna was going through and to try to compare them both is fucking disgusting so like this woman leaves the group and everything and Anna's grateful and she's like jumping up and down like yeah you did it and I'm like you you could have done this nothing that I did was special like these are all things that you could have done and I asked her again like why why do you willingly go through this and she said that it was because she felt guilty she knew that the decision that she was making was what was best for her and her family but she also felt like she needed to pay some sort of penance for that decision she'd gotten pregnant while she was on birth control and even though she felt like she had done everything she could to prevent it um she because she felt like she'd done everything she could do she also felt like it was god's plan that she be pregnant and instead of following through and trusting things she was refusing to follow his wishes i'm i'm not an incredibly religious person so i can't say that i understand that compulsion or that perspective but i do know that it's common and i wish 
that I was the right person to touch on that and tell you that everything's going to be okay. Um, And I'm talking about you, my listeners. I'm not in the story. I'm not the right person for that, and I know that. Um, But, like, I was a VBS teacher and a Sunday school teacher, and I was in two different churches, praise and worship bands, and if your God can count all sins as equal, as I'm about 97% sure that uh, that book says, then you're not going to hell anymore for aborting a fetus, which According to Genesis 2-7, life doesn't begin until the first breath. Um, You're not going to hell anymore for that than you would be for wearing mixed fabric clothes or lying or sinning in some other way. It's not like there are layers and levels to that particular type of thing and you're always able to be forgiven and your slate is wiped clean so while I understand that religious people use that sort of thought process to prevent people from having abortions or um, killing people or or lying there's also parts of the very same book that will tell you if you truly feel bad about it and you apologize and you learn from it and you you don't continue that you're forgiven and that part is probably the most important thing that everybody likes to forget Um, the second part is the part where it talks about like men cutting their eyes out instead of being inappropriate to women but that's that's another story Um, I know it's dragging so I will get to the point that I'm making aside from the fact that people are fucking awful Anna had a Planned Parenthood five minutes from her house, but she had to drive three hours away for any abortion-related care because her local Planned Parenthood wasn't fully funded. Um, Since government funds aren't allowed to be used for abortions, they were unable to care for her locally, and, um, you know, I really wish that was the beginning of the issues with access to care. It's the morning of the appointment and we're off. We leave at the butt crack of dawn um, because there's, um, like my GPS shows that there is a shit ton of constructions, um, construction zones, her appointment's at 11. Like I wanna make sure we get there in time for her to um, eat something or her stomach to have gotten to a point where she could eat something. Um, because I don't know what they're going to say about food once she's there. Uh, 
we pull over a couple times for her to vomit, we pay fucking tolls because there's no way around it, and we still manage to make it to the appointment 30 minutes early, where we're greeted by anti-abortion advocates with, with signs and tons of loud opinions. Um, this Planned Parenthood only provided abortion-related care one day a week, and it pushed as many people as it could into that day. So I soon learned that um, having an 11 o'clock in the morning appointment meant absolutely nothing. But I didn't know that yet. So I got out of the car, and I went to the back seat, and I unhooked my daughter, and I walked with Anna into the building, and I confused the fuck out of everybody. And once we had left and she told me that they only do abortion stuff on Wednesdays, I wasn't sure that they would allow me in with a kid. Um, My daughter was not even a year old yet, and, um, and I wasn't sure if that would be seen as some sort of attack on the women who were there. And then I thought about it, and I was like, everybody's family looks different. Not everybody can afford a babysitter, so, like, it is what it is. If they tell me I have to wait in the car, I'll wait in the car. Um, So we get there, and she checks in, and the first time that she was seen was at 11.30. And at that part of her appointment, she paid her deposit. She was informed she would have to have an ultrasound to confirm that it was sooner than the 11 weeks, filled out some paperwork, and she was sent back to wait for her turn. Um... And then we waited and waited and waited. And it was 2.30 before she was called back again. And by that point, she was super sick. She didn't have enough in her stomach, but she didn't want to leave to get anything. And she didn't want me to leave to get something for her um, because she didn't want me to have to take my daughter out and she didn't want me to miss something. So, um, So I stayed. And she begged them to allow me to be back in the room with her after she explained her past and how we met, um, they did end up breaking protocol and allow me to be back with her. Um, they explained what would happen, gave her some nausea meds and Tylenol, and told her that if she couldn't make it half an hour without throwing those up, they wouldn't give her the first of the two pills she needed, and she'd have to wait until next week to get them. So by that point, I'm getting like really uncomfortable with the way that this is going. But I'm just like, you know what, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. Everybody here is in the same situation. This isn't my situation to be mad about. Um, Like, it is what it is. So she took the pills, and we're at about minute 25 of 30 when she threw up. Um, And her nurse is really cool. She thought there might be a way that they could send us home with both pills instead of just the one, since it's a two-part process. And it doesn't necessarily have to be done in the office. Um, but you can only take them up until your 11th week, and since it had taken her three weeks to get an appointment here, um, anything too far past that, she'd have to go in for a more intense procedure, and, um, Anna wasn't really sure if she'd be able to do that. I couldn't stay another week or come back the next week, um, and there wasn't an available appointment within the time frame she needed to still be able to take the pills instead of having the procedure. Um, so she was called back and they were able to, um, give her the pills to take home with instructions at 4.30 that day. Her appointment was 11 o'clock in the morning. We left at 4.30 
and there were people who had appointments at 9 o'clock in the morning who still hadn't had their procedures yet. So from the outside looking in, it was heartbreaking because not only was there this huge waiting room full of people trying to end their pregnancies, um, but there was a chance that they were going to run out of time to be able to do it and have to schedule so far out that they were going to have to need something significantly more evasive. And so many of them, like I think I talked to like five different women and of that five, at least four of them had talked about this being their second attempt. Um, and even with an appointment, they weren't guaranteed to be seen. What? If you schedule me for an appointment, how are you going to leave before you can see me? Like, I have an appointment. It tells me that you are going to see me at this time. And if I've showed up on time, how do you get to leave before you've seen me? I don't understand. But, like, how many of those females would be able to go through with it once it comes to an entirely different procedure? How long are we pushing these things off? Like, this whole thing was, like, some sort of gross movie where the entire concept is to push medical care off until it's too late for the patients to legally receive the the treatment. It's, like, a a fake abortion clinic. And I've, I've known people who have had abortions, but I've never gone with anyone. Um, so when... When I got home, there are a couple of people who I knew had had abortions and were very open and honest about them, and I reached out to them and I asked what their experience was, and none of them had that experience, whether they went to their doctors or they went to Planned Parenthood or they had an issue that required them to go to the ER. Um, For them, it was a quick thing and it was more or less painless. A lot of them described it as... You know, it was more mentally painful than physically painful, um, which as somebody who has had a miscarriage, that completely makes sense. Um, but they didn't have, oh, well, you know, we're going to have to, you're going to have to make another appointment because this appointment that you made in the first day part of the business day, like, we're just not going to get to you. I'm sorry. Like, wait three weeks from now. So why was, why was Anna's different? And I think about it probably a lot more than I should because I can't figure out if it was because there's such a stigma surrounding Planned Parenthood in general that funding abortions and what the money goes to when it's funded by the communities that they just, the communities decide that they're not going to support them so that this one fully funded Planned Parenthood within a three hour radius is just seeing everybody that they can. Um, but like how many, how many females run out of time and fall through the cracks? How many take, they're constantly being told that they'll have to reschedule as a sign from some sort of higher being that they may or may not even believe in, that they're not supposed to end their pregnancy. How many are currently fighting themselves to be thankful for a child that they didn't want because they knew they couldn't support them, didn't, didn't think they would be a good mom, like any of those things how many of those fetuses that aren't really fetuses but like people get mad when you call them parasites uh ended up dying anyway because their parents weren't in a position to take care of them and how many of those tiny little parasites took their mother's lives with them 
when they died. And most importantly, why do we as a society think we get to rejoice when we've prevented another person from getting proper, timely, and safe medical care? How can we call ourselves a developed nation when we have senators running on platforms and winning their districts on limiting access to birth control and trying to work to make abortions illegal? So Rick Santorum can say in January of 2012 um, that rape victims should make the best of a bad situation and still keep his seat. Lawrence Lachman, in 2014, the Democrats actually ran to try, well, petitioned to try to unseat him after he said if a woman has the right to an abortion, why shouldn't a man be free to use his superior strength to force himself on a woman? At least the rapist pursuit of sexual freedom doesn't, in most cases, result in anyone's death. And the list goes on. And it doesn't seem to cost any of these people their seat at the table. Like, there's quote after quote from our representatives proving time and time again that not only do biology classes in the United States make us all look like a fucking joke, but that the misogyny is so deeply ingrained in our society that the hill that Ben Shapiro wants to die on right now, um, but somehow just doesn't, is the fact that he can't seem to sexually please his wife, who's an OB and has to know he's straight trash in bed. Like, I don't think I have ever wanted to scream say less more than I do when I listen to men speak bullshit about women's bodies so confidently wrong and then double down on how wrong they are. And people fall all over themselves to make excuses for why they don't know these things and they're willing to be like, I can't please my wife either, or that's not how this works, or rape is a good thing because, you know, God says so, which he fucking doesn't. He literally says like, gouge your eyes out and cut your shit off if you can't behave yourself. Like, why? You can't tell me that there aren't better people that we could have in office. Why aren't we voting for those better people? And y'all thought that I wasn't going to be able to tie this into the presidential election, but you're wrong. Um, so here's the thing. These people learn that they can act this way by getting voted in to positions in their local areas. And this is why single-issue voting is a problem, because men and women, because there are women who say cringy things about rape in power as well, and I don't want to discount that. Um, there are there are people who are just willing to completely ignore some of the batshit fucking crazy shit that these people say because they want marijuana legalization or they want criminal justice reform and I completely understand that but like if you are running on a platform where human rights requires you to define who you see as human You do not belong in fucking office. And you start the process of refusing to accept that type of behavior from your elected officials when you vote in your local elections. So if you want to vote for libertarian, vote for those in your local election. Give them the power. Give them the platform. 
give them the funding, give them everything that they need to be taken seriously on a national level. The presidential, not like the the presidential election is not where one starts that process. It starts it within your own communities where you can really throw your money at things that you see a response to in your everyday life. Um, but the Libertarian Party and other third party candidates, like, they don't have the backing yet. And I say yet because I swear, like, if you guys can just get it behind to be electing these people who are running either without a party or within a non-Democrat, non-Republican party, um, whatever those things are, in your local elections, and they can be slowly but surely considered more and more important and more valid and more of a threat within your state and your um, national elections. But until you get to that point, all you're doing is voting for, well, usually the big evil person that nobody wants, but because they can't settle for somebody else because they're single issue, um, particularly in this case, it's uh, they're either single issue for Second Amendment or single issue for abortion. If you don't give a little bit, we end up with Cinnamon Hitler for another four years and when I say this I mean it your minority race your minority sexuality your minority community loved ones may not make it another four years if you're not willing to put that single issue aside and vote for somebody who is not who is not giving more power to groups that want to kill your minority and LGBTQ friends. Okay, thanks. So, on that note, I will talk to all of you on Friday. Uh, Simply Ashes is now on Patreon. You absolutely don't have to be a monetary subscriber to get Simply Ashes, but you do have to be a monetary subscriber to get Simply More and, once again, to get Simply Put. So, um, keep your heads held high, be proud of who you are as a person, and do whatever you need to do to keep yourself safe. Until next time.